Hello, and welcome to episode 849 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Thursday, September 3rd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Justin Mason this morning. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am doing well. A little tired, but it's a, it's a good tired. You know, it's a baseball-related fatigue. I'm not fatigued by baseball. I'm just tired because of all the baseball going on between, uh, you know, writing, podcasting, watching games, streaming. It's all good, and I'm trying to take the fire hose and let it wash over me for one more month here before we downshift into the playoffs where, you know, baseball stays hot, but the work work co- comes to a uh, comes to a simmer and then we get into another off season. How about yourself? How are you doing? Man, I am uh I'm busy, you know, work, school, baseball, kids, uh and it is uh it's going pretty well. I I'm really just loving this kind of short sprint of a baseball season. Yes. Yes. Like I, I, I don't know if I said this on Tuesday though. Uh, they named it perfectly. It's a sprint. Like I feel like I am sprinting right now, and again in the best way possible. But it, the, I think NFBC aptly named the the, mm-hmm. the league structure. It's a sprint, baby. It is. I'm a little bummed because uh, I put together uh, my DFS lineups on Tuesday, and I had recommended in my article to play Alex Dickerson. And you and, didn't even use him. And I had him in my lineup until right before lock. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, fifty nine or sixty five points I think he scored. <laughs> bad enough to take out somebody in lock who like does you know, has a little decent outing. You know, you hate to do that and take him out and he has twelve points and the guy that you use has two or something mm-hmm. like ah nuts. Quite another. To do it with a guy who absolutely goes off. That is rough. By the way, did you see, speaking of that uh, that that very night with, with Alex Dickerson, did you see Vlad, Vlad Sedler, our friend? I did not. What he did that night? No. So he went the hell off. And as he should, or no, actually uh, one of his viewers, or one of his readers did, which... Yeah, uh, he. Sh- I wouldn't have even been. I wouldn't have even been slamming him if he had done it. But he had uh, someone posted an article link, uh, a little screenshot of him not only recommending Dickerson that night, but also Fran Mill Reyes, Marcelo Zuna, and Kyle Schwarber. Now I don't know if Schwarber went yard, but that was also Marcelo Zuna's three homer night and Fran Mill Reyes's five hit night. Yeah, I think and, Schwarber went yard as well that night. Th- there you go, and it was uh, like a. Um, Fran Reyes and Marcelo Zuna are two guys I'd bet on hitting dingers. And, of course, Kyle Schwarber is good, good bet for that day uh, as he's heating up against righties, this and that. And then last but not least, I'll mention Eric Dickerson as an affordable play in Coors. And unsurprisingly, Vlad had a massive night. He posted his screenshot where he won $9,290. And, like, yo, when everything comes together like that, that is just – and it's not it's not victory lapping or or you know like I mean it is but it's showing out in the in the best way like you you freaking killed it dude just yes yes well done so big big ups to Vlad on that one big ups to you recommending Dickerson too bad you didn't use him but that was really nice we're gonna actually <laughs> talk a little bit about him later because uh, three homer three homer nights they're hot right now and I mean he right. was he was inches from a fourth. Like, oh, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> he was and, so and, then, close. and then got, yeah. That, oh, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. So, 
But hey, three homer night, excellent night for Alex Dickerson. Like I said, we'll talk about him with another three homer guy later. But let's dive into um, how you're doing in your leagues before we get into our, our main topics here. I'm just curious, where are you at with everything with your leagues? Uh, I know that you've got uh, you were busy at the trade deadline for mm-hmm. uh, Tout. And uh, what's going on with your NFBC? Give us a quick update before we get into everything else. A lot of my teams are kind of middling. Um, I've got one main event team that has been bouncing between second and third in the league. And like top, you know, 100 to top 50 in the overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really think that team has a real shot to make a run here. Because I've, sl- I've been slowly kind of catching up to uh, Toby. Uh, Batflip Crazy, who's in that league and just been crushing it. I mean, he was like the number one team overall. Uh, in which which Batflip is that? The Batflip Crazy main three? Uh, I think so. Um, okay. You know, so uh, he's lost a little bit of... Yeah, main three. So he's 20th overall uh, right now. I'm currently 99th overall uh, after a couple bad pitching days. So yesterday was was pretty nice with, with Bueller uh, going. Oh, did so. you eat Sonny Gray? I did not think. Okay, then I don't want God. to hear. God, oh my God, Dusty and I had to take that on, but we had a few other guys go off. They, the tough part is you have to use those as sponges though, mm-hmm. instead of getting the excellence. No, I, I ate Austin Voth last week for a two start, um, which was brutal because I'm in a Voth, position. Voth, yeah, Voth, 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 sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, my I've got a pretty sick offense in that league and my pitching has actually been the thing that's carrying me and so like I'm just kind of waiting it for it all to come together and I don't know if it will necessarily but uh time may run out yeah. yeah time may run out like it's one of those teams I think in a long stretch I probably would have uh you know done even better but I still think it has a pretty decent shot at a first place finish in the league and um, you know, if things go really, really right over the course of the next three weeks, uh, maybe even better than that in the overall. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, my other main event team is just not come together, unfortunately. Uh, and my OC team is still hanging around kind of in, in competitiveness for the Justin league. Mason? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so, you know, I got a cut line team, too, that it was <laughs> doing pretty well, but the guy in my league who I'm competing with, is first in the overall in the cut line. I had that with the main last year. My, my main team sucked last year, so it didn't matter, but I was in I was in the league with the uh, with the main overall winner. So that's always tough to see uh, when you see that little number one next to his overall and his, his current standing. You're like, okay, come on. Yeah, dude's a beast. His name's Curtis Jones. You can follow him on oh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah he's... Oh, uh, yeah, I know Curtis. He's, uh, yeah... I think he's fallen to third overall in the cut line, um, but he's you know like forty points, which is nothing. It's a day's less yeah, than a day's work. So it's hardly anything. Yeah. So you know, if I'm not going to win the league, you know, hope he uh, hope he takes down the overall in the cut line. So uh, and yeah, and then made a lot of trades. Traded all three closers uh, in NL tout that I had because I had I have such a huge lead in saves. So, uh, you how know. many how many saves till the next save person could catch you at first? Thirteen. Oh, you can't be caught. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, and you know, I get the rest of the weeks because uh, you know things process over the weekend. But mm-hmm. you know, traded Mark Melanson and Matt Carpenter uh, to Fred Zinke for Ross Stripling and Tommy Edmond. Uh, okay. Traded Josh Hader to Phil Hertz for Anthony Rizzo, and then I traded Daniel Hudson for Herman Marquez uh, to Steve oh, Gardner. Okay. 
I'm pretty much punting the ratios in pitching. You're so, saying, give me, give me volume now. Yeah, give, give me, me strikeouts and, and offense. You know, so okay. uh, and hopefully that'll, that'll bust me up a little bit up the standings. Not going to win the league. I think Fred has got got it pretty close to wrapped up, but. Uh, yeah, but I, I you know, want to make a good showing, you know, try to finish in the top four or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, that's not bad at all. Well, I'm good, glad. I'm I'm glad you're doing well. And then our mixed labor team is kind of sitting in um, like eight nine range right now. There's a real cliff that uh, the, I think the best we can hope for is maybe to get into that top seven caliber because. Um, we're a couple points behind eighth. We have 74 points and it's 77.5 in eighth, but then 91.5 in seventh. So it, there's like a, a line of, of demarcation there. There's the haves and have nots. Unfortunately, we are on the side of the have nots, despite some things that, that have gone well, but a lot of things that didn't, that really ended up just catching up to us. Like that we just weren't able to overcome them with regards to some of the health issues that we had <laughs> we lost, like yeah all of our pitchers like just, yeah um yeah we, we drafted what we thought was a pretty sick pitching staff and then lost and, soroka and sale and mitch keller uh, and just giles and yeah i mean it just was too much for us to overcome but fred zinke in other league it looks like he might win Yep, yep, killing it over there. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue to remain competitive, been active on, on the waiver wire. Uh, Ian Anderson, a recent pickup for us, and I think we got enough money to still make a few moves here. So, um, you know, we'll do our best, and maybe we will sneak into that that Habs group there. It'll take a little bit of uh, work and good luck, but uh, we may well get there. Anyway, just a little check in there. I wanted to see how you were doing, so that's good. Let's talk some baseball. Let's start with some young guns dealing. A bunch of them pitching last night, but also a couple others pitching since we last talked, which means they threw on Tuesday or Wednesday. Sixto Sanchez, Tristan McKenzie, Ian Anderson, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier are all dealing. They have been waiver gods if you pick them up. Framber Valdez probably drafted in a lot of leagues, um, and if not, then very quickly picked up. But they've all been excellent. I just marvel at, at what uh, Cleveland's able to do. Yeah, they have yet another one. And, you know, one thing I was, I, I think I tweeted this out when he came up. I was like, hey, guys, in case you don't follow this stuff, he's the best prospect of the whole bunch, dating back all the way to Kluber. Like, Kluber wasn't a mega prospect, and we know what he became. So out of all these guys that we've seen go through the Cleveland machine here and come and in, turn into something great, Tristan McKenzie was the one who was actually a mega prospect. So the expectations for him are, are just as high as everyone else who's been coming through. Uh, Anderson's really hit the ground running. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, I mean, oh, it's hard not to be remarkably excited about him. And then the two Astros, Valdez and Javier, have really kept them afloat and, and quietly, too. I think people aren't really talking about Houston. Um, you know, obviously, when, when the season was firing up, it was about hating on Houston. And I'm not going to say they didn't they didn't earn uh, that, that disdain. They absolutely did. Uh, but now that the, the season is, is fanless, I feel like they've just kind of been put on the back burner. And yet in a back burner kind of meh season, they're 20 and 15 with a guaranteed playoff spot. Like they're not going to be caught in the West. They might even win the division over Oakland, but those are the two teams going to the playoffs. But what I want to ask you about these five, first off, just who's your favorite rest of the year. And then 20, uh, 2021 if it's a different answer hmm that's a really good question 
Um, I think Valdez is my favorite, which is not something I think I would have said had you asked me coming into 2020. Mm-hmm. I was largely ignoring him. I just didn't know if he was going to have a rotation spot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this this I forgot him on my SP ranking. It had to be mentioned to him. Had to be mentioned to me in the comments. I said I knew I'd forget somebody. I spent six hours pouring over it, so of course I would miss somebody relatively obvious. But I said I put him in the uh, in the early 100s, so I wasn't even super super hot on him. And uh, Valdez has been awesome. 258 ERA, 110 WHIP, 26% strikeout, 7% walk. That's been a key. Is he's limiting the walks, and he he came up with a bit of a walk issue uh, that was expected to maybe be. A bit of a problem for him. It has absolutely not been. He had seventy in a two seventy innings and two thirds last year, and had a thirteen percent walk rate, sixteen percent rate in thirty seven innings the year before that. Shaved it all the way down to seven percent for Framber Valdez. Yeah, and I mean no home runs. <laughs> like he's yeah, he's given up two home runs in forty five innings, uh, which is just great. You know, not letting guys on the base paths, and then you know, not giving up any bombs, you know, plays with that offense behind him. Uh, I really like him a lot uh, for the rest of the year. If we're talking about for next year, I mean, it'll be, I mean, a lot will be determined on who's able to keep it up, but I mean, Sixto Sanchez is just electric on the mound. That's mine for, uh, for next year, for sure. For the rest of the year, I actually I think I kind of lean with you on on, on Framber, although I really do like Sixto as well. Um, I might just go Sixto for both. Like he has he has lived up to the hype. It's it's 19 innings, so I don't want to go overboard. But I mean, he was the centerpiece of the Real Muto deal. Real Muto's a superstar talent, and so you expected big big things out of out of Sixto Sanchez, and he has lived up to it. Early on here, through three starts, with a 2.37 ERA and a one WHIP flat, um, with a 27% strikeout, one percent walk, 1.4 to be exact, and that's just incredible too. The kind of command and control we're seeing out of a 21-year-old. He's the youngest of this bunch too. Throws 98 on average. Everything's there to think that this guy. I mean, somebody tweeted this out. One of my friends that he was getting. Jose vibes, Jose Fernandez vibes. And, you know, you look at what he's doing, they might do it a little bit differently, but I didn't think that was completely outlandish. He comes in with an elite changeup off rip, and you know how much I like that with the young pitcher when they've got the ready-made changeup. That's so exciting to see, and Sixto absolutely has it. He throws it 30% of the time to, to balance out with that 98-mile-per-hour heater. Also has a slider and curve, a little bit of a show me curve, eight percent, but it's all there right now, and I, I I don't really know what we would suggest uh, would would really derail him in any sort of tangible way. He might he's not going to keep up a two thirty seven ERA for like a full six month season next year, I don't believe. But I believe six though the expectation of putting him at like a mid threes with a great whip and, and strikeout rate next year, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm. You know, the only concerning thing is are the home runs. Mm-hmm. You know, he does give Bull up high. a lot of hard contact. So, I mean, he makes up for it with just the amount of swing and miss that's, you know, in his game. So maybe he can stifle some of that. And I don't think people realize, like, 
just how much the Marlins like kind of adjusted that park. Yes. So it's not like this pitcher haven that it was. So definitely something I'm going to just continue to watch. But I mean, super impressive so far. No, no doubt. And then uh, with McKenzie, really like where he's at. Obviously, them trading Clevenger really keeps the door mm-hmm. open for McKenzie. You know, he, he's he's there as long as he's holding a job. And Ian Anderson, uh, he's been strong as well. Christian Javier, between uh, McKenzie, Anderson, and Javier the rest of the year, who do you like best? Ooh, I think I like McKenzie the best. Hey, we're in lockstep this morning because I agree yeah. with you on that it, one it's too. The, the strikeouts or you know mm-hmm. the thing that, the, I mean Ian Anderson no slouch uh, in his own right, but I just the strikeout upside with McKenzie seems to be super high. I do worry about him holding up over the course I of his... He's built like a tank, dog. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's not built like a tank, and he's had injury issues uh, that have partially derailed like his minor league career. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, th- he's going to be a guy that probably gets overdrafted a bit next year, but, you know, three weeks left, that's what, like five starts? Uh, not Maybe not even four starts. So, uh I think that, like, you know, I'm just going to ride it out and hope that the wheels stay on the rest of the way. But, I, I yep. you know, I picked him up, I want to say, either my main event or my OC, and I've been super, super stoked. Yeah, McK- McKenzie's been great. He's built like me, guys. He's built like a stop sign. And, uh, you know, so th- there is durability questions for a full six month. But for the rest of the sprint, you got to like him. In fact, you got to like all, all, all five of these guys. For the rest of the season, at the very least, I want to talk about another guy. He, he he's a, apart from these other guys here, so that's why I'm I'm separating him because he's certainly not uh, to this same high degree. But I'm curious about Johan Aviedo over on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, again, not not at the same caliber, but you look at what he's doing. And he's actually, I think I think he's had some intrigue. Definitely enough to merit a little bit of conversation and maybe some thoughts on where we might be thinking about him next year. Um, he was 12th on the Cardinals prospect list coming in with a 40 plus grade. So something about, you know, if he, he can develop, then it could be there. Now, the main thing that, that Eric wanted to see develop was, was his command and ability to throw some strikes, which it kind of has here on the fly, like a 3.1 walk rate. Um, that that's 3.1 per nine, uh, eight and a half percent as far as the rate that's about average and you'll take that from somebody who was coming in with it as a big question mark with a lot of double digit walk rates in the minor leagues including 12 percent at double a last year it seems maybe he sacrificed some swing and miss to make sure that he stays in the zone but he's not giving up homers he's got an insane 195 babbit right now that is obviously doing some of the heavy lifting here because he only has a 17 percent strikeout rate but he throws 95 uh, has three pitches with the slider and curve has a little bit of a show me change, but like literally show it's, it's 2% right now. So I don't know where it's developing or if it's just been something that he's kind of figuring out on the fly here. It was his lowest graded, uh, pitch along with the slider fastball and curveball got the best grades. He's six, six and Eric gave him a body comp to Josh Beckett. I don't know if you've seen uh, Johan Aviedo, but giving watching him a little bit last night, I was uh, I was thinking, hey, I'm I'm going to keep at least an eye on this guy. Three starts in, he's been pretty solid in all three of them. Yesterday was actually the worst of the bunch. He went five innings, two runs in the first two, and then goes 
uh, four and two thirds, three runs in this one, but five strikeouts, his best strikeout performance of the, of the season. Where are you on a 21 year old Johan, or excuse me, 22 Johan Aviedo for the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, I'm not super enthused. I'm, okay. I mean, especially go over and look at a stat cast page, straight up all blue. <laughs> like his barrel percentage, 51%, but everything else, he is one percentile in exit velocity, one percentile in hard hit percentage. He, that is a case then where you can say that the, he needs that swing and miss. Like he should yeah. not be leaving it in the zone. Cause it's well, and that Babbitt, you, you, you mm-hmm. can, you can use the, the the luck tag tag then because you know we always make sure to investigate further on a BABIP to mm-hmm. see if it's luck or how much is being uh, controlled by the pitcher. Looks like looks like it's been a bit of a luckometer for him, especially at that that low. Yeah, um, for Aviedo. I'd I actually like to see if he could do more with the change because I mean I, I like the fastball, like the slider, curveball, meh. Um, and so it'd be nice to see kind of, you know, one of those third pitches become a little bit better. And I think that would maybe help with a little bit of the uh, swing and miss stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But right now, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, he, he's pitched decently. I think he's, you yeah. know, mixed league worthy and you just kind of play the matchups with him uh, rest of the way. Yeah. So I, I don't know what his schedule is rest of the way, but I can look I, it up. I don't either. So, but it's the central, so it's one of the exactly, better, and that's you know, opportunities. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have you know, you know, like you're likely going to be going up against one of the worst teams of baseball because most of them are in the central. So, you know, maybe against the Royals, maybe against the Pirates, something like that. So Tigers. keep an eye on Aviano. I think he's a streamer as well, and and be careful though because a blow up could be coming. With all the contact that he allows and the quality of that contact, if your if your ratios are sensitive and, and, and one blow up could really do some damage, then maybe he's not the right. And obviously anyone can get blown up, but it's about percentages. The percentage that Aviato has a real bad one at some point is higher than it is for a lot of other yeah. guys based on where he's at. It Especially look- the, the last group of youngsters that we talked about. It looks like he's going to fall into that doubleheader against Minnesota next Tuesday. Um, and then they're, hit, they're not hit Milwaukee. doing all that well, though. So looks like I, I would say Detroit, uh, Milwaukee for a two-step next week, then the Royals after that, um, or Pittsburgh, and then Milwaukee well, again. So, like, not a bad final four starts. Wait, I see I oh, wait, see Minnesota Cincinnati next week for Aviedo. Uh, he'll either hit the end of Cincinnati or the beginning of uh Milwaukee. It just depends on how the rotation lines up after those double headers. True. That that's the well, I have him in one of the double headers. The the, the He's Minnesota. definitely in the Minnesota, but he you know, you either do the la he'll either pitch the last game of the Cincinnati series or the first game of the Milwaukee series. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. And none of those teams, and even including Minnesota, none of those teams are juggernauts offensively. Minnesota has not hit that well. So, I, I you know, again, you got you got to kind of make your own decision on that uh, with regards to how much you want to take the risk. Uh, I will say Minnesota, a 95 WRC plus, that's 20th in the league this year. Wow. So that's Johan Aviedo, St. Louis. They do a pretty good job developing. That's why I wanted to bring him up and at least give him some, some love. Um, another guy who got plenty of love and has fully panned out 
And there were definitely questions of like, is it is it an overhyping for Zach Gallen? Uh, do we need to tap the brakes? No, we should have hit the gas because he's been amazing. He now has a career, uh, excuse me, an NL high 50 innings. He has a 180 ERA, a .94 whip, 54 strikeouts in those uh, 50 innings, and 15 walks dealt last night against the Dodgers. Unfortunately, they took the loss. I believe he left um, when it was when they were down anyway. Or no, 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 no. I'm wrong. He left with a 1-0 lead, and then mm. they choked it. So, yeah, he yeah, was on the Ke- hook. Kevin the Ginkle came in and yeah. ginkled. He got ginked. He ginkled all over the place. Gross. Um, so, yeah, that that's a bummer. But you'll take seven innings of one-hit ball against one of the best teams in the league. That's his second start against the Dodgers this year. He handled them the first time out, six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts. Has gone to Colorado and dominated seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. So we know he's been amazing this year. I have a bigger question about next year. Mm-hmm. Where is Gallon in your um, in your rating? You know, is he top twenty? I think there's. I think he's top ten. Oh my god, that is so hot. I mean, I I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'd have to really. I, I have not done my ranks yet for next year, so. Uh, though I will be starting them pretty quick, uh, mm-hmm. especially if I'm going to do the Turley mocks uh, again uh, this year, though I haven't necessarily decided. It'll if, be here before you know it. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think Gallon is, is a borderline top 10 starting pitcher coming into next year. I don't disagree. Like, I think he's right. I would, I would at least commit to top 15 right now and then kind of see where everything else shakes out. But we've had some guys certainly leave that top 10 that we would have had coming into this year. And, you know, it isn't like this is all he's done. You throw in the 15 starts from last year. Now, you're still only talking about 130 innings, but they're so good that, like, where would you really see a major fall off from Gallon with with the 242 ERA, a 111 whip, and 150 strikeouts in those 130 innings? There's just so much viability to what we've mm-hmm. seen that I think the magnitude of the sample at least counterbalances, if not outweighs, the the size of it. So I, I love Gallon. And he's I been mean, excellent. The step forward that he's made in terms of not walking as many guys this year is just like cementing into my like you know top fifteen, top ten status. I mm-hmm. he is an SP one in a fifteen team league next year. I don't I think there's a doubt for that. I, I agree with that. So I just want to give Zach Gallon some love. He's somebody who got that major pro, major uh, preseason hype and has fully panned out and then some. I mentioned that three homer three home run games were on the docket this week <laughs> with Marcelo Zuna, Adam Duvall, and Alex Dickerson hitting them. I'm curious because uh, they're both available in a boatload of leagues. So they're going to be on the wire this week with that three homer game kind of sitting in people's minds. Which would you scoop if either between Adam Duvall and Alex Dickerson in let's say let's say a fifteen team mixed? Um, I think it would be Dickerson. Okay. Is it a point? Like what what what's what's the breakdown there of, of why? I think yeah, I think it's the playing them. I think the Giants need to just let him go and and let him run. At the very least first righties. Maybe spell him for uh, a lefty start here and there, but that's that isn't even the case. I think because of how well his week's gone, he earned the uh, the start against lefties yesterday. 
uh, and batted sixth, but he's been batting two when he plays against righties, Alex Dickerson has. Meanwhile, Duvall, um, he's been playing a lot, but he, he kind of sits in that 6-7 range right now playing left field. And, you know, but the both, when you look at their full season numbers, if you take out the three-homer game, you can see that they neither were performing particularly well. And then all of a sudden that you, you tack on a three-homer game, and that really changes the outlook of your season. Um pretty easily there because 109 plate appearances for Dickerson, 108 for Duvall. So a three homer game carries a lot of weight, but Duvall's plate approach is much better. 18% strikeout, 10% walk, 268, 339, 546. I agree. He's the guy. Um, do you guys, do your beloved giants have another age 30 breakout here? Like to go with Yaz, like two, Two old guys, are they going to be your corner outfielders for the next good team? <laughs> uh, I don't know that if that's going to be the case. Yeah, probably not. But um, as far as the rest of this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the rest of this year, like, these are the guys that they're kind of pinning their hopes on. Um, you know, Dickerson is ARB eligible next year, free agent in 2023. So probably not there for the next good Giants team because I think 2023 may be the next good Giants team. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so he could end up getting traded. Uh, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they moved him after this season. Yeah, why not? I mean, just kind of a fourth outfielder profile for the most part. But if pressed into duty, he can hold. Because this isn't Dickerson's first. Uh, like, he, he's a plus hitter for his career. 596 plate appearance, 592 plate appearances of a 115 WRC plus. I think even if you lop off the three homer game, it's you know that probably added a few points to it. He's probably 111, 112. So pretty good there. Duvall, I've always I've always had a soft spot for me. He has two 30 home run seasons, and I had one of them. Uh, that that first one I got in pretty early when he when he broke out yeah. in 2016. So I've always had a soft spot for him. But he kind of is what he is, a generic power hitter. Uh, who, who struggles to make contact consistently and get on base. Career 234, 293, 464. So I'm with you. Dickerson is the pickup. Um, would you pick up Dickerson in a 12 if you need an outfielder? I think I would. Uh, you know, I, mean, I think so, too. The schedule lines up pretty decently uh, rest of the way for him, too. They've got Arizona, but he's going to miss Gallon because uh, Gallon just pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, then... Two series against Seattle, a series, uh, two series against San Diego, and a series against Oakland, and a series against Colorado. The rest of the way, so and and the park is no longer no awful. Though they for, do have a lot of old. Uh, no, I guess they have about an even amount of uh, home games versus uh, versus uh, away games. So games. okay. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we'll, we'll take Dickerson between the two. Um, obviously, if you need some pop, uh, and Duvall's kind of the only one out there, that's fine. But uh, but I would lean toward Dickerson, put put a decent uh, bid on him in comparison to Duvall. Let's talk about a couple of crusty first basemen who are crushing. Now, I can't claim to have been in on either of these guys coming into the year. That would be a <laughs> bold-faced lie. In fact, I was aggressively out on one of them. But Eric Hosmer and Brandon Belt, you know, the only way to put it is that they're they're killing it. They've both been excellent this year. Uh, you look at Belt, 333, 420, 621, with five homers and 100 plate appearances. You look at Hosmer, 313, 376, 616, with eight homers and 109 plate appearances. 
14% strikeout rate, too. He's really gotten back to being that high-contact guy that, that we've seen in the past after 21 and 24% strikeout rates the last two years. We heard in the offseason that he was going to start lifting a bit, lifting the ball, not, not lifting weights. And he has. The whole fly ball rate is up to a career high, 39%, by far a career high, and that's 16 points higher than 2019. And it's panning out. He's hitting the ball harder. He's pulling it more. Everything that plays into power, Hosmer's doing and being rewarded. This is this looks pretty viable. Where are you on these two here, Belt and, and Hosmer? Start with Hosmer. Yeah, I, I'm a believer in Hosmer. When we talked about him early on in the season, uh, I said I was pretty intrigued. And the only thing I was really worried about was the Ryan Schimpf effect. And for those yes. who don't remember what that yes. is... Uh, that is increasing your launch angle to a, a point where it becomes uh, inviolable. Uh, yes. But what he's done is actually kind of leveled it off. And so uh, his launch angle, it's actually still kind of low in terms of a power hitter, you know, about 10%. Uh, but like for him, that's perfect, especially with how hard he's hitting the ball. Really, really like what he's doing. Love where he's hitting in that just beast of a lineup in San Diego. Uh, yeah, I, I think Hosmer is in many ways kind of the real deal here, and uh, I'm uh, not to mention a couple chip in stolen bases. Yes, like this yes. is this is what we were looking for Hosmer to do when he was in Kansas City coming up and to develop into this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yep. when he when he started off and he was a high contact, little bit of pop, and and then uh, three double-digit steal seasons to start his career. It's like, okay, now you add in the power, and mm -hmm. you're a superstar. And it never really came to fruition. The best we had was a couple 25 homer seasons, and he was great in 17. 25, uh, 94, 6, 98 runs with a 318 average. That was awesome. But then he goes to the Padres, and he's been bland as mm -hmm. hell the last two years. Volume was really the only thing you were getting. Uh, but Hosmer's been awesome. I'm curious, you know, if he hits another three, four homers, uh, keeps the average up, steals another base or two, I wonder where he's going to go next year as a 31-year-old with these new changes. You think uh, you think he'll be a top 10 first baseman? He might be just because first base is a bit shallow, but I don't think he'll get the respect he deserves. Uh, you know, he made real changes, tangible changes. This is almost like the hitter version of Lance Lynn where, you know, he made some real changes and people still won't believe because he's older and been mm -hmm. this guy that people had hoped on for so long and then they jumped off. Uh, so I think he's going to come in at an affordable price next year. Uh, I can see that. And I could definitely buy back in. Let's talk about Belt on your, on your favorite team, the let, Giants. Let, let's not. He's killing it. He's I know. been great, and you know he's one of these guys that uh, it seems like again the the park they moved things in a little bit. They changed mm -hmm. some things to uh, where it's not quite as as devastating for lefty hitters in particular, and he's he's reaping the benefits. He still doesn't have that. He doesn't have that elusive twenty homer season, and he's obviously not going to get it this year because of the length of it. But uh, hitting very well and delivering big power. You know, 429 BABIP doing a lot of heavy lifting on the on the batting average, but everything else is in line here for Brandon Belt, and he's a free agent next year. What would make you? He's not a free agent next year. I don't oh, believe. he's not. Oh, I, I think thought, he's I got one year more year. You're right. Yeah. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. So a full season of Belt in San Francisco with with some of these power gains here. Where do you come out on him looking in, at at a 33 year old Belt in 2021? 
Oh, this is hard because everything I'm seeing tells me that to say that this is somewhat legitimate. I mean, mm-hmm. 62% hard contact percentage. That's, I mean, like, and the rest, almost the rest of it is in medium contact. He's mm-hmm. a 7% soft contact. Like, he's crushing the ball. Yeah, I mean, he is, you know, and his barrel percentage is in the top 2% of the league. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it is somewhat legitimate. I just don't understand where it came from. Um, and I mean, like I said, like you said, I watch a lot of Giants games because mm-hmm. um, it's definitely one of those things where I think some people be like, well, they, they adjusted the park and that's what did it. But no, that's not, it, that's not, that's not what it is. Bone. No, it, it's, um, you know, he is striking out a little bit more, but uh, I guess when you're hot and you're, you're crushing the ball, you're just going to swing. So exactly. Yeah, I and, guess. And, and, and 11% swinging strike rate is not untenable at all. So this is, and he's always taking his walks too. So some of this is the standard power profile mm-hmm. of getting deep in the counts because you're looking for your pitch. And so there are going to be some strikeouts, but this is not a Brandon Belt doesn't know what he's doing at the dish. This is more of a, this the part of the deal when you're going to get this big type of power. So I'm not even worried about the elevated strikeout rate, to be honest. No, I'm not either. Um, you know, I think this is one of those, I think, you know, continue to ride the hot streak. I'll be interested to see where he falls in, in drafts in, in 2021, because I mean, this is a guy that, uh, a lot of people in the industry have been very high on for a very long time. Obviously most of them have jumped off by now. And so count my, count me among them. I gave him, you know, he's a longhorn. So I always had a soft spot for him for that aspect and just felt like, you know, if he was in a different park, he'd have this number, you know, 25, 30 homers. And and then, you know, I gave up and wasn't anywhere near him this year. But he's been a, a great waiver pickup. Brandon Belt's been awesome this year. I think the one thing that will concern me going into 2021 is just the health. I mean, this is a guy yes. that has really struggled to stay healthy. It'll be his age 33 uh, season next year. And... You know, what will the Giants have around him for, for you know, and where will he end yeah, up when they Dickerson, do trade him? Baby. Yeah, I mean, and Solano. Like, yep. <laughs> and and Wilmer yeah, Flores. Dude. Like, this Retreads. is, it's Retreads such City. a weird, like, this is like a Cardinals type. Like, yes. hey, you know, we're going to put in this guy who's 34 and, you know, never really been able to live up to his potential and, and, and have a breakout season. Uh, and it's so weird because Giants teams of the past have been built around pitching, and, and the pitching has been god-awful for the most part, and the hitting has been uh, the They've thing that's carried them. Amazing. If you look at your regulars, mm-hmm. only catcher is a negative position by OPS+, Plus because I'm actually looking at their BREF page right now. But by WRC+, Plus, the translation, it won't change because the there's there's usually only a couple points difference between OPS+, Plus and WRC+, Plus, like a three to five point difference max. And the lowest guy here is a uh, 118 from Brandon Crawford. And I guarantee his WRC plus is over 100 as well. So plus production at every spot and substantially. So when you're talking about belt, Yastrzemski, Dickerson, uh, Longo's been great. Austin Slater before he got hurt, but he's due back very soon. It's been an insane offense. And 
nobody's young except for the catchers. That's the thing. The only young guys are the catchers. Most of these guys are 30 plus with Slater kind of being the baby of, of the, of the stud hitters right now at 27. So it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I do want to exercise just a little bit of caution with Bell in terms of, I mean, he's been extremely hot really for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's still this is still just two weeks. <laughs> like it's, yeah, exactly, uh, it's exactly. so I mean, hard because this year is yeah. going to just be two months. Yeah, but I mean, he was he was pretty dreadful to start the start the season, and then has just like gone through this really really hot two week stretch where he's hitting uh, 500, 571, 938 with four home runs since August sixteenth. Imagine people that added him like at the perfect time. Not because they necessarily saw anything, but they because they mm-hmm. had to. He yeah. was like the warm body, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Fine, I'll just put belt on because I got." He's at least these, playing. Yeah, I got these three injuries, and and what if they got the entire run? I mean that that can do so much mm-hmm. in a season like this. That's absolutely crazy. Um, unfortunate news here before we get into a little uh, main segment. Will Myers to the IL undisclosed. Mm-hmm. Did he get COVID? It sounds like he came into contact with someone who tested positive because Tingler said uh, that uh, they're hoping to get him back in a few days. And they didn't do anything about like setting the team down. So it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't sound like he tested positive. It sounds like maybe, you know, a family member that he came in contact with or a friend he came in contact with. uh, So it's a quarantine time. Yeah. And so. You know, if you're in daily leagues or in uh, like NFBC, you, you bench them through the weekend and then hope that, you know, we have some news, you know, by lock on Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that, that's Will Myers. He's been excellent. And so everyone wants him back quickly. Mm-hmm. All right. We've only got a few weeks left. You know, coming into next Monday, it's going to be about three weeks. And so I wonder crazy. If it's, it's insane. I wonder if it's time to cut some of these stars. These are superstar talents that were drafted in the first couple rounds, I think universally. Uh, the first one that we're going to start with, Gary Sanchez, was probably the latest, like a fourth, fifth round type. The other the other three were drafted in the second round, second, third. And I've got a guy for each, and if you have somebody else that is of interest, uh, you can bring them up too. But I just want to at least have a guy. This is kind of a podcast version of my uh 4060 article where not only do I suggest guys to pick up, but also guys you could feasibly cut. Gary Sanchez is the guy we're talking about possibly cutting here. He does have six homers, but a 130 average. So at what cost? And only nine runs, 14 ribbies. And I've got two guys here. I didn't put the second one. Uh, he's on the chart, but he's not on the, the spreadsheet there or on the uh, um, whatever, the rundown. Uh, but James McCann. And Martin Maldonado, you could consider either. And they they're they're a little different. McCann doesn't play every day, but has been excellent when he does play. 351 average, three homers, uh, 11 runs, which is more than Gary Sanchez in 40 fewer plate appearances, and eight ribbies uh, for McCann. He has 66 plate appearances. Or Martin Maldonado, who is playing every day, has half as many homers at six. But more runs, 14 to 9, more ribbies, 17 to 14, and a markedly better batting average, 256 to 130. So would you cut Gary Sanchez for either of these guys? Uh, McCann is rostered in 13% of ESPN leagues, Maldonado in 30%. I don't think I would. And I don't know. 
here's the thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on you, what your team needs are. Like, if you're looking for batting average, I think it makes sense to make the cut for McCann. If you can move in, in batting average, too. Yeah, and, and but the hard part is, move. like, his batting average is great, but it doesn't play enough to affect it as much as, like, an everyday player would. True. And, so that's McCann you're talking about. Yes, that's McCann. Yeah. And, you know, whereas Sanchez... You know, while he sucks, he's playing every day. He's got twice, or he's got you know twice as many home runs, uh, with six. And the schedule for the Yankees rest of the way is amazing. Okay. Like, okay, so let's throw out the fact that they're playing the Mets today. Like, we're not even okay. gonna count that. Yeah, because you wouldn't, you can't make that move. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're in a daily league and you listen to this the second it comes out. Exactly. You're looking at tomorrow. Um, Friday at the earliest to do anything. They've got Baltimore, then Toronto, then Baltimore, then Toronto, then Boston, then Toronto, then Miami. Like, wow. which, like which, which pitching staff are you worried about? Like, Toronto improved theirs, but not to the point where I wouldn't but play But they guys. improved it by adding one guy that's been giving up a ton of home runs. Well, yeah, no, again, regardless of, and of how you feel about the improvements, they're just not something that would scare you off of somebody no. who's proven. Okay, I think you might have sold me here to, to hold Sanchez. Yeah, I, I just... I think I, I think I might be sold here. You, you, you've already eaten the batting average on him. I mean, if your batting average is in, like, true peril, I guess you, you know, you can... Or, or if you can really, like... If or steering to the skid. Maldonado can move it for you mm-hmm. because he's at 256, and maybe your team batting average is like 220, but you have four or five points ahead of you. Well, maybe it, there. Yeah, if your team batting average is 220, you might as well just freaking uh, steer into that skid and just go for broke on it and just like depends, punt that out. Depends know? if you yeah. can make the moves or not. It, it, like, two, because here's the thing in a season like this, with, with the way some of the offense has gone, and it's been offense has been hot lately, but at least starting the season. Some of the batting averages um, that have been really low, you're not even in last. Yeah, like you're, you're you're third to last, and, and there's three, four teams ahead of you that you could catch. So and ratios again, are super movable right now. I mean, because people can move down too. Just like even just from just a straight like player perspective, Alex mm-hmm. Dickerson's big game like bumped him up from I think it was two twenty three to two sixty four or something like that. I like, believe it. Like I believe it. A five for six game, that's what it did for a single player. You get a handful of those uh, from guys on your team, and then all of a sudden, you know, you bump up two or three spots. So if your batting average really needs the help, sure, you can you can dump Sanchez. But, like, if you're looking for any sort of counting category out of your catcher position, I, I think you just stick with it and hope that this really nice stretch of games uh, is is going to, you know, make it worth your time help Sanchez tap into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you sold me on that. Like I said, the the one thing is if you can move in batting average, I might make a cut, but otherwise I'm I'm sticking around. So, uh good good case making there. Let's move over to Javier Baez. And, you know, his struggles are well well documented at this point. He does have six homers, he has six homer, 18 runs, 18 ribbies. Um so even those those are not off the charts bad. Um, just one steal, but hitting 200, 241, 385. And the comparison, oh my God. I, I, yeah, the 241 OBP is just, I mean, this is almost looking like his first year. Mm-hmm. Now, 
because a 34% strikeout with a 4% walk rate. Like, this is the downside. Now, here's the thing. If this were a six-month league, we'd probably be saying, go get him, and he'll smooth out. But time might run out on him. So I'm wondering if you would cut him for, like, a Willie Adamas, who's only 30% rostered in ESPN leagues. He's hitting 322, 398, 585 with five homers, one fewer than Baez, but then 22 ribbies, 22 runs, excuse me, to 18, and then uh, 15 ribbies to 18. So he's he's down a little bit in the ribbies, up a little bit in the runs, uh, very close in homers and even in steals, and much better in the slash line. Baez versus Adamas, where are you at? This one is really close, and that's not something I ever would have thought of saying. And I like the Thomas coming here. Like yeah, Thomas is one of those guys. Would be so bad is the real key. I mean, there's gonna, there should be some massive regression in Adamus's average, like the fact because that, he's striking out a lot too. Yeah, I mean his ex batting average is like 43rd percentile, which is you know 265. Yeah, he's a 458 BABIP and a 31% strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. However, hit the ball hard. Worry about that next year, I think. Mm-hmm. It might not have time to come all the way back down. It might smooth out from 322, comes all the way, you know, comes down to like a, a 290 by season's end. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be in the tank for the rest of the season. He might hit like 270 the rest of the way. And I'd take that. Yeah. And, I mean, their schedule is pretty decent as well, rest of the way, because they don't have to play themselves or the Yankees. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got, let's see, Miami, Washington, Boston, Washington, Baltimore, the Mets, and then Philadelphia. So not, not, not as nice as that Yankee lineup, but uh, it's a pretty decent lineup. Yeah, I think, oh, I think I might make that change like that is that is really really tough but and we're talking 10 and 12 teams here folks just i didn't i didn't preface that you get into nl only obviously i mean nl only this wouldn't even apply but you get into these deeper leagues i think you got to ride it out with these start first off adamas isn't available in deeper leagues so these are 10 that espn caters to and 12s some of these guys will be available as well so we're talking i just i just brought up uh, Baez's Statcast page and X batting average is 229. I mean, it's like he's fourth percentile in in K percentage, second percentile great, in Whips percentage. Uh, you know, tenth percentile in uh, X Woba. Like he he hits the ball hard, but that's all he does, and he's but not hitting it enough that. to mm-hmm. to make a difference. Yep. So I would make this move. Um, I would definitely get Adamas. And if you want to finagle a way to keep Baez, that's up to you. But if it's just a, if that's all you got it and it has to be a straight one for one, I'm open to cutting Baez here. He's a huge name. I get it. But this is a n- n- different type of season. There's only three weeks left. I don't think it's going to burn you to a degree where you're like, oh, my God. Like Because even if he bounces back, even if Baez bounces back, I don't think Adamus is slowing down to a level where you wouldn't still get production and at worst kind of break even. So I would make this move here for sure. Yeah, I, I think I'm on board with you. It just seems so it's so weird to say it, but I know. This is the season and especially a point of this season where the names no longer matter. It's exactly. just about production. You need production. And speaking of that, let's go to Alberto Mondesi, 
who we've certainly been cr- critical of, and he's been an absolute nightmare this year. Um, he does have eight stolen bases, but at what cost, dude? Malik Smith laughs at these numbers. Zero homers, 11 runs, two ribbies, sick life. 182, 206, 235 line, 32% strikeouts, 2% walk. I got three guys here, two of whom uh, play middle infield and one of whom is an outfielder. But I have Sam Haggerty at 8%, Manuel Margot at 5%, and John Birdie at 29%. I don't want to speak for you. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we're both very open to cutting Mondesi. Yeah. So it then becomes, which of these three would you want to pick up? I think it's Birdie is the guy you want to pick up. I mean, you still get that speed. I, I doubt he's available in a ton of formats, but... At 30% at ESPN. Wow, so okay. 10 teamers. Yeah, if you're playing in the shallow league and Birdie's available, yeah. I mean, Mondesi is just straight up killing you right now. I mean, you're like yeah. you said, getting the stolen bases, but it's not worth it. Like, how different is that than like Gerard Dyson? And yeah, you wouldn't exactly. roster it's, Gerard Dyson, so it's not worth it right now to get those steals. I mean, and this is the thing that we talked about before the start of the season, where a lot of people were like, "Well, go for shoot for the upside, shoot for the upside," and you saw Mondesi go in the first round of some leagues. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, this is the flip side of that. Like, the guys who have this huge volatility, they may they may not have enough time to get it going. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and this is that situation. Now, Mondesi will lose a lot of value going into next year, and I'm sure I'll buy back in, or I'll, I'll buy well, in yeah, next the, year. Well, yeah, the, but... the price starts to be right <laughs> at a certain point, but right now it's not. But, the, uh, the, you'll, you'll, the inability to walk, Smith. man. The inability oh. to walk is huge. Two point two percent walk rate, the two oh six on base percentage, it just murders. Two you. ribbies. Yeah. He's not an RBI guy or anything, but two ribbies, dude. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. I would take any of these three. So even if Birdie isn't available, although he might have hit a spike of availability, because there might be some concern of his playing time. You'd think it would go up with VR being traded, but Isan Diaz is coming back, and Jazz Chisholm was called up. Yeah. So Diaz isn't back yet. But Birdie can play in so many different... I, I understand, but but where, like, Matt Joyce is playing pretty well. I think Birdie's still going to play pretty regularly, so I'm... Haggerty's the one that's really, really interesting, because I think the Mariners have... Seattle, yep. Yeah, the Mariners should give him some run here. You know, Margot, I like Margot a lot. But that situation in Tampa is just kind of so weird with the amount of players they have on their roster that they move and he, around in the platoon. And, yeah, and he really bats low against left against righties if he plays, which he does isn't guaranteed, um, and then leads off against lefties. So you'd have to kind of see what their schedule looks like with lefties, play that week to week. But Haggerty, playing number two, uh, excuse me, playing and batting second every day, switch hitting, left field slash uh, infield type, uh, he's an interesting guy too. So if Birdie isn't available, I think I go Haggerty next because of the playing time, um, and he, and it's more than Margot. And you're getting the speed. But I got to be honest, I included I included uh, Mondesi in my cut article ages ago. So I was I've been out for weeks. But if you were still holding on because the stolen bases were there, there's options out there. I, hell, I would take Roman Quinn, who doesn't even play every day. For Philly, I, I would rather have Roman Quinn at this point because he's than... playing every day and just sinking your average. It's just yeah, Mondesi yeah. is. Yep. It, yep. I mean, it, it's like it's hard because he's one of those guys that if he got hot like today, 
and was hot for like the last you know two and a half weeks of the season or whatever it is, um, like he would be the Garrett Hampson of last September type yes. guy. But at there's this, no reason to believe that that's coming. Yeah, you know, and it's it's hard to really yeah buy that. Last one, and this guy's probably the hardest for me to consider cutting. Particularly, the, these names weren't particularly sexy as far as the potential pickups, too. There really wasn't a, a, a good comp to J.D. Martinez. Like, um, And obviously, there aren't J.D. Martinez, peak J.D. Martinez types out there. But there wasn't even that like power batting average guy. But he's been brutal. 218, 305, 387. Three homers, 14 runs, 17 ribbies. We've heard there's been some complaints from him about how you can't use video during the game. Uh, because of all the cheating stuff and that's a big thing of what he does to analyze hitters at bat to at bat and I don't know if that's that's just really affecting him or if that kind of just fits the narrative I don't know but it's not gone well for him and there are some outfielders out there you might consider these names are going to shock you but the performance is markedly better than Martinez's Steven Piscotti has five homers 12 12 runs 26 ribbies Couple chip in steals, 262 average, 304 OBP, 458 slug. Kevin Pillar, four homers, 22 runs, 15 ribbies, two steals, 272 average, and going to Coors Field. With all that spacious field, I think his batting average is set to go up, even if even if the power doesn't like amp up. And then Tyler Naquin, who's back and playing every day, four homers, nine ribbies, nine runs, excuse me, 17 ribbies. He only has 70 plate appearances. That's why I want to be clear that his counting categories are a little bit lower. Although he already has more homers in half the plate appearances of J.D. Martinez. 284, 300, 582. I know it feels crazy to cut J.D. for one of these guys, but J.D.'s just not not helping. And that offense, that team sucks too, so that's not really making things any better. Would you cut J.D. for any of these guys? Mm, and this is a question that I actually have to face myself because I have lots of J.D. Martinez this year. And I, I was understandably with you as far as investing in him like yeah. i thought he was a great pickup in the second third round i don't think i would okay i still believe in him and the talent and this may just be a lost season for him but i think he's one of those guys that could turn it around on a dime uh you know still hitting the ball all fairly hard making the same amount of contact uh as previous seasons i just think this is one of those uh situations that the short sample of a season we wouldn't have noticed this if this had happened in august uh mm-hmm. last year so yeah that, that that's the thing like this would be another guy i think we'd be recommending to go ahead and pick up his plate mm-hmm. profile for jd is not off the charts bad 23 percent strikeout 10 percent walk uh, but it's just not clicking right now and mm-hmm. i just I don't think, think- I don't think there's like a guy that, especially on the list, or that's yeah. out there that like really jumps off at me as like, yeah, no, this is this is the guy that you need to pick up, and so yeah, I, could, I couldn't find like an available outfielder that that really stood out as an up and comer uh, who's who's performing out of his mind right mm-hmm. now that you would want to necessarily go get. Although I will say this, Brandon Belt's twenty three percent at ESPN. Would you make that swap if you could make the positions work? Hmm. I would with that one. I don't think I would. I know it's so hard to cut JD, man, but Yeah. No, this bad, is bad, dude. 
Yeah, bad. I know, but uh, yeah, this may just be one where I go down with the ship, I guess. I understand. I understand because he's a three homer game waiting to happen every day. Yeah, like 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 legitimately, not 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 fluking into it. No offense to uh, Dickerson and 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 Duvall. Um, you know they they they've had their their shine before and they've done well. But like JD can do that, and that's why I usually recommend against like benching guys like this too, because that then you miss the the get right game that they have. It'd be hard, but I think I could I could do that for Belt in the shallow league, um, just because it just hasn't been there for JD. But I just I just want to bring these guys up because there's other guys too. I, these were the ones I selected. But it's time to start making some tough decisions on these stars. And you really, what you really have to do with this, uh, and we try to give as much definitive uh, advice as we could, but what you really have to do is assess your standings. Where can you gain? Check the schedules of the guys in question to the best of your ability that we can guess because things can flip on a dime there. And, and make some hard decisions, though. I would not just go down with the ship with every one of these guys, though, especially if you have multiples. You got to get some guys who are playing and playing well, and you might have to ride some hot hands. And and hey, there's not enough time for the, the any of these moves to like devastatingly kill you either way. So there is there's certainly some risk by cutting a superstar, but it's not that something that you're going to languish over for the entire season. Like when people cut these guys in May of a standard season, which we would never recommend, by the way. Yeah. So. And like also like if you're especially if you're playing in like NFBC or in weekly leagues where there's only one fab pickup a week, dropping them this weekend means that at best a, a team gets them for two weeks. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it's that's not like you're giving too. away, you know, a ton of production to somebody else. It's you know that's two weeks, and two weeks could be huge in a ten week season, but. Um, it, it's not going to be the reason another team beats you necessarily. Exactly. So that's where we're at on those guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up here. But a great talk with you, Justin. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll be back next week. Take it easy. <laughs>